Three days prior to that, the despair that came into their hearts as they saw the one whom they had traveled with for three years crucified, then buried. And that despair, such that they fled, they denied in utter hopelessness. But then to come to the tomb and to find that it was empty. We serve a resurrected Lord. Amen to that? We have a living salvation, a living hope that's within us. By the way, we did that song just for you folks from Texas, by the way. We did, you know, coming all the way up here to the Northwest, we got to give them a little shot in the arm of that Southern gospel. And oh, what a blessing having these folks with us. And amen. Oh, You will always be a part of our family here. And we are thankful so much for all of you coming. We have just four families out of the several families that were with us in that uh, two-year period of time. Uh, some of them have gone. I don't know if some of them have passed away. I know some of them were pretty old, but uh, 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 but maybe they're just uh, serving in other places and things like that. But they're doing projects in Washington next week. We need to be praying for them on that. And then a project in Portland the following time. And uh, they've just finished uh, some help in, in the Ben Redmond area. Uh, and just exciting to hear. And you can follow their ministries on, online at volunteerchristianbuilders.org. And, and uh, it's uh, amazing just to keep up with them and all. Well, it has been a blessed week. I, I think I needed that song this morning also because a week of camp now after 37 years, I, I don't feel the same as I used to uh, after a week of camp. And uh, I feel very inadequate this morning even to preach the Word of God. I decided to leave a little earlier yesterday so I could come home and just kind of gather my thoughts and, and everything. And uh, uh, I, uh, this morning, my, my message, I, uh, I was uh, going to, to, to preach on uh, cares and worries this morning. And uh, But I got so much under conviction last night in preparing for the message that I decided I need to get it before I can preach it to you. And I'm not sure I will totally get it, but I believe there's some amazing truths in God's Word that can help us with the cure to worry. What do you think? The cure to worry. Uh, two weeks ago, though, I uh, preached a message on where is your treasure? What are your treasures? And, I, and, and as I just last night in preparing for the the message, God just arrested me again to come back to this passage that we looked at again and just to, to make some review and to finish that message. I was not able to finish it two weeks ago. And so to finish it and then we'll see how far along we do get. Because truly, if you understand this, God does not make mistakes, right? And the way he puts things in the scriptures is there for a reason. And he's talking about where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And one of the greatest indicators of where your heart is, is how you deal with the emotions of things that come and go. And as he goes in then into worry in verse 25, therefore, I say, after he finished this section, 19 through 24, he talks about worries, cares that take no thought. There is the idea of anxieties. And truly, it is an indicator in our lives and so uh, we talked about last week, or two weeks ago, excuse me. Let me just read it to you again, verses 19 through 24. And some of you might say, well, Pastor, I kind of wish that you would get off this topic of giving. Now, that already shows you where your heart is, where my heart is. Can I just say that? That already tells us where our heart is. 
I don't think there's anything that can indicate as much as how and where we spend our money is where our heart are. And so we, two weeks ago, we didn't talk about the tithe. We talked about 100% of what God gives us belongs to Him. Is that not correct? And that how we use our money, how we spend our money on everything, and having God to lead us. You know, I, I don't want to be the person to tell you what you should be doing, though as a parent, we do tell our children what to do. Is that right? But we hope that our children grow up and they learn good spending habits. We really want them to have good spending habits. Um, people are mortgaging their future by their indebtedness. And trouble is, today we see things that we want and we want those things because we are so worldly minded in our, our possessions and our treasuring up our treasures. And that's what he, he says here. It becomes, uh, it, it takes ownership of our lives. Money will either master you or God will master your money. I would much rather God to tell me how to spend my money. Um, and sometimes in the uh, time frame of why we do things and do those things the way we do them, God can lead us along the journey and He can protect you from disasters financially, right or wrong. I remember uh, in buying our house, our first house, um, we had looked three years for a house. Now, we didn't have any money. That's maybe why we looked three years for a house. But I also recall that when we bought our house, guess what happened just before we bought our house? The bottom dropped out of the house market. And the house that we bought a year prior, the person that had bought it paid 12000 more for than what we paid for it when we bought it. You say 12000 That doesn't sound like a lot of money. Well, and back in 1982, that was a lot of money because we only paid 40000 for our house. Wouldn't you like to buy a house for 40000 today? There might be a few out there still, but... Uh, might not be a habitable. You know, and, and God can give you wisdom. You say, man, I want this, I want this, and it doesn't happen, and we can be disappointed. It's just like I told you the story about all the girls that I tried to ask out that, to, to date, and I was turned down by 13 girls in one day, and, you know, that was my track record at school. I don't Now, what are you thinking in there, in your minds right now? In one day? In one, yeah, in one day. <laughs> One day, one day, I was aggressive. I mean, I, you all know me. I am aggressive. You know, if one says no, let's go to another one. Let's go to another one. After 13, though, while this... <laughs> I, I shared at camp. You know, we make decisions in our life. And it was that day that God has spoke to my heart about uh, getting up early in the morning and praying. And that day, I started... A lifelong journey of starting every day in time of prayer with the Lord. And I was so excited about that day. But it was that day that 13 girls turned me down. It was the worst day of my college history. And you know, God, God just spoke to my heart. And he says, you know, he says, is this a decision that you make to see what you can get out of it? Or is this a decision you make because you love me? And I was challenged at the end of the day. 
And I said, Lord, I make these decisions because you lay that on my heart and I want to be obedient to you. And I thank the Lord that I've continued. And by the way, those 13 girls wasn't Janie. Do we get the message? There's a lot in those stories that we can ponder. Sometimes we want stuff and it can be a detriment to us. We must be spirit-led. That's what we talked about last time on this as far as the, the giving. We say, man, I need to, to give that tenth and all. And, and I believe that, that that was the minimum of the Old Testament. And yet it is also talked about before the law. And it's mentioned in the New Testament. But I believe as born-again believers, there's got to come a time in our lives where we are being spirit-led. And all of our decisions need to be spirit-led decisions. We need to get in the habit of saying, God, what do you want me to do? Too often we say, well, the pastor wants me to do this, or the pastor wants me to do that, or the pastor wants me not to do this, or the pastor doesn't want me to do that. No, it's about your relationship with God. That's what being born again is, because He becomes our Heavenly Father, and He puts the Spirit into us to guide us in truth and to show us things to come. God can guide us and help us. He can take us down some paths that are rough paths, though. Is that not correct? And understand, as God takes us down those paths that are difficult, He has lessons for us to learn. And so as we get into this, and, 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 and we just got to correct our attitude because oftentimes we don't realize how much things possess us. And, and as I'm working through this and how many times I've preached on this, I'm asking God to work in my heart, helping me to be spirit-led. Because I'm going to tell you something, you can start taking little baby steps Find yourself drifting. Oh, by the way, who preached on drifting not long ago? Well, Charles Stanley, amen to that. <laughs> Randy Merrill, last Sunday. Remember his message? Last Sunday. Whoa, he was a tremendous speaker at camp. And God spoke to my heart and, and, uh, and the decisions that we make. But understand that these things often, the, our things, shows us where our heart... Let's, let's read this again, 19 through 24. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where a moth and rust uh, doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be, what? Single. What do you think that singleness is? One. One. To delight in one. If thy eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. In other words, boy, this, this purpose of why I live for God's glory and everything that I do. But if thine eye be evil, in other words, it's distracted, it's seeing double. The whole body shall be full of darkness. Well, I tell you, you don't want that. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. So either uh, you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And that's talking about being a slave there. So is money our master? Is God our master? Is God the master of all of our decisions? Few things that show where your heart is than how we spend our finances. You know, you've heard this terminology before, your bucket list. 
How many have heard that terminology before? Bucket list. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that was born out out of a spiritual intent or a carnal intent? Carnal. You know, we need to look and see, what if I were to have a bucket list, what is on my bucket list? Is it all a bunch of selfishness? Or is it about serving the Lord and doing what He would have us to do? You know, he sent, God sent His Son to die on the cross so that we could have everlasting life. I don't do the things that I do to get into heaven, right or wrong. I don't do things to get in heaven. No amount of work. The Bible says, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We need to carry that very carefully because there's so many people who, who believe that they can earn their way to heaven, and nothing we do. And, and by the way, do you think anything I do will impress God? I don't do things to impress God. I don't do things to get from God. That is the wrong motive. The Bible uh, says, Paul says, the love of God constrains me. We need to make sure our motive is right. And I want to encourage this because there's nothing like going through life and doing things and finding it to be wood, hay, and stubble. I am so concerned as your pastor that we talk about and make sure that we understand salvation is one way and that's through Jesus Christ. Now that I'm saved though, I am free to serve Him out of a heart of love and I can use my liberty to help others on their journey. And I don't want to have wood, hay, and stubble. Oh, my. So we talked about these things last time. And the Lord spends a lot of time in finances. 16 out of the 38 parables that the Lord gives in the New Testament deal with finances. Say, whoa, I didn't know that. That's a lot. That's almost half. One out of ten verses in the New Testament deal with finances. Now, listen to this statistic. This is by um, Chuck. Or not, uh, this is by... Um, oh. He's the guy down in California. There's a lot of guys down in California. Uh, who's the guy? No. Um, um, MacArthur. There you go. I, I knew we'd get one of these guys. MacArthur in his, his commentary that Ruth, uh, that you, uh, Rose, that you gave me, uh, he said in there, and, and I haven't been able to, to check this all out, but, you know, John MacArthur does know his stuff. He's a pretty good preacher. Uh, he said that there are approximately 500 verses in the New Testament on prayer. He says there's less than 500 verses on faith. He says, but there's over 2,000 verses on finances, on money. Isn't that something? That gives you maybe a little bit more potency to this. Where, verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There are indicators in my life. And I need to look at my life. Do I worry about things? And that's a good indicator. We're going to talk about that, uh, Lord willing, down the road. So as we talk about our treasures and everything like this, and, and we the value, and we look at these verses. And, and in fact, as I just started looking at these verses this morning, I had to quit. I had to quit. 
Because there are so many references. Most of us know many of these, and sometimes we don't put all the dots together. But let's continue on and just to review this treasured philosophy. And I can't say enough of how important it is to have a treasured philosophy that our life belongs to God. And what a joy it is to serve Him. What a joy it is to give. And we went over these verses last time. We're going to add a few more into them as we review this. But every man... According as he purposes in his heart, he's got a philosophy, he's got a direction, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen to that? Oh, I can't say enough about that. You go on and read that passage there in the other portions of that scripture, that same uh, chapter. Marvelous. He that despises his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. So we're not talking about just the four walls of our church. We're talking about a philosophy of life. Taking care of those that are in need. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be what? Blessed. And he that giveth of his bread to the poor. Proverbs 22, 9. Then I looked up these words. I, I, I decided to look in a new translation about this word stingy. And by the way, sometimes I've used that about myself as, well, I'm just stingy. We're going to take the folks out from uh, a Volunteer Christian Builder. And I says, now, when you go with me, it's low budget. All right. And everything. Uh, and we're going to go out to uh, um, uh, a good place this afternoon and everything and all. And, and I, I am frugal. But I will have to say I am not stingy. All right. So there's a difference between frugal and being stingy. Now, maybe my children thought I was stingy when I was raising them up. But no, I was frugal and trying to teach them the value of things and how uh, to earn money and how to take care of what you have. And if you really want a cell phone, guess who's going to pay for it? I just want to tell you something. We can do our children uh, uh, insurmountable harm by making them think that money grows on trees. That's why I'm not opposed to giving your children allowances, helping them to learn how to tithe, how to give, how to save, and how to do these things, and how to spend wisely and all. And so we teach those, those things. But here's some words. Job, you know, as he's defending himself, he says, have I been stingy uh, uh, with, with food and refused to share with orphans? You know, Job, he was willing to give. He was, by the way, he was a very wealthy man. Do you, you all understand that? He was probably the wealthiest of the East uh, in that time. Proverbs eleven twenty four, And there are so many. I'm just, I just finished the book of Proverbs this morning. And so you're going to notice some more verses in Proverbs because, boy, there's so much in Proverbs. I really encourage people, if they've never done it, to read a Proverbs a day for at least one month and maybe even an entire year to get that book down. It is an amazing book filled with wisdom. Boy, you can teach that, and it is so valuable to learn this. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, Give freely and become more wealthy. And be, uh, be stingy and what? Lose everything. Uh, there's some wisdom there. Give. And, and there's some other verses that we've gone into. And, and uh, just turn to the book of Haggai, if you would. And I didn't get these verses up on the screen this morning. But Haggai is a fascinating book. This is after 
Israel had been in captivity for 70 years. Why were they in captivity for 70 years? Because they did not honor the sabbatical year for 490 years. They didn't honor it. They thought, you know, to let the, uh, the ground lie uh, 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 unused and everything. Boy, no, we, we've got to have this time. We've got to keep working the plows. We've got to keep working. We've got to keep getting. We've got to keep doing this. And pretty soon, as you see in their, their, uh, their, their philosophy, was that it was in their hands to make wealth and to get great. And so they disobeyed God, and God took them away from their land and brought them into captivity for 70 years. There are many of folks who are in captivity because of disobedience to the Lord. Well, as they came back into the land, they got into a building project. And it didn't just last three years. I think it lasted at least 16 years or I'm not sure how long, but it was a lengthy period of time. In fact, they were shut down for 15 years. Can you imagine? Shut down a building project for 15 years? How many of us would have been able to get up and get going again? And this is about what's happening here. Is There was about 50,000 people that went back to, to, to the land of Israel to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the walls. And God brings Haggai and, and Zechariah uh, and Malachi to encourage them to keep on going and to finish the project. As you come to an end of something, sometimes it's difficult to keep on keeping on. And you talk about some... Some, uh, some, some powerful preaching. People don't like powerful preaching today. People don't want to hear what God says and what God thinks about things. People want to do things in their own ways. Let me tell you something. It doesn't work out well for any of us if we go about doing things our own way. And so God raises up these preachers, these prophets, who come and they proclaim to them these truths. And Haggai comes with this message. And uh, let's just start in verse 3 of chapter 1. You maybe have found Haggai now. It's right at the end of the Old Testament in these uh, minor prophets that are there. And they call them minor prophets, not because they were minor in their message, but because they're short in duration. He says in verse 3, Then came the words of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Let me ask you, 2016, if a preacher got up and preached that today, would the congregation want to stop and consider their ways? I believe those who uh, want to make sure they're doing what God wants them to do is they, they stop and say, listen, I need to consider what's going on in my life. Just like at camp, we talked about, we don't want to just herd kids through a week of camp. We want them to get the message. We need to stop and we need to consider what's going on in our lives. Notice here, as Haggai talks to these folks in uh, 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 verse 5, he says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Uh, Verse 6, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, 
but there is more, but there's none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into bags with holes. Boy, verse 6 is quite a descriptive verse. Would you not agree? That's very powerful. He says, consider what's going on. The Israelites had thought, man, we've got to do this and we've got to do this. And man, we're, we're taking care of ourselves. And he says, do you realize what is happening in your life? You've got your, your, your wallet has holes in it. How many of you, ever, you don't need to raise your hand, but have you ever felt like your wallet has holes in it? That there's more month than money? That's what he's talking about here. He says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. I think I preached the message on this when we first got into this building project. Do you all remember? I mean, that was, that was three, over three years, three and a half years ago. Is we've had different messages on, 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 on all of this. We've now been in this building project for over three years. And I thank the Lord for those that have gotten involved and they've invested into eternity and, and helped in, in this cause. And this is what uh, Haggai is telling these folks. He says, listen, stop thinking about yourself. You consider what God wants you to do and go out and do it. Verse 10, therefore the heavens over you is stayed from dew. And the earth is stayed from her fruit. You know what he's saying? He says, listen, you go out and you work hard for yourself. And there's going to be the struggles that you're going to go through because you're trying to do it your own way and leaving God out of that picture. He says in verse 11, I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the, the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labors of the hands. Can God bring a drought to a land? Can God hold back the dew? You know, if America doesn't turn back to the Lord, guess what? America can very easily see the hands of judgment upon this country. Well, we don't want to see it. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Do you know the devil doesn't want to see this country go through a drought? The devil wants this country to think of how prosperous they are. But yet the drought in a man's soul, because he's left God out of his life, oftentimes he doesn't recognize the drought in his own soul because of the things that cloud his judgment. Ponder that. America has its fancies and its toys, and you might have it, and I might have it. We, we find out where we are with God. In verse uh, chapter 2, verse 17, uh, chapter 2, verse 17. And it says, I smote you with blasting and the mildew, and with hail, and all the labors of your hands, yet you turned not to me, saith the Lord. Why wouldn't we? You know, we play a fool if we don't recognize what God is doing. You know, the simple person will have things come in his life and he wises up. A fool has things come in their life and they don't wise up. 
Uh, he says in verse 18, Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundations of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, ye... Uh, 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 as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranates and the olive trees hath not brought forth fruit from this day, will I bless you. God wants to bless our lives, but He also will help us have things happen in our lives so that we can look to see what's going on. There are other verses that go on in this. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10, Thou shalt surely give him in thine heart, shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puts thine hand unto. Oh, to have God's hands in our life. He that despises his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Boy, God sees what we do, and you think, oh, I just don't know if I can handle giving this to help this person on in their journey of life. God says, I see it, and I'll help you. Keep that keep in mind. Given it, what? Shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all that shall be measured to you again. If you give kindness out, guess what can come back? If you give gossip and backbiting out, guess what can come back? See, that passage actually deals much with that. And then this passage, as we finish up this idea of philosophy, and we gave this verse last time. I have showed you all things, how that soul laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Say amen. Amen. If you've experienced that, you can say a hearty amen. Isn't that true? A hearty amen. And then we talked about treasure passing. Let me just go over this real quickly. And that's where we're laying up here. We're storing up things here with the, the, the moths and the mice and the mud diggers. Remember, I preached that message a year ago. Uh, treasures passing. We see how those things can be. And just first Timothy, they that will be rich fall into temptations, the snares, and many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. Many of folks have given their soul to the things of this world. Proverbs thirteen eleven Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And we talked about this principle, how important it is to teach good stewardship. And, and that good stewardship is to be good use of our time, to be uh, dependable as a, an employee, to go out and be on time and all these things, and to work hard. Uh, do you think that in our society that the work hard ethic is being preached? <laughs> a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children. We talked about how that wealth is not the problem. I mean, you having wealth and I having wealth is not the problem. Many of us have great riches. Would you not agree? But we laid this up as an inheritance for our children. There's nothing wrong with this. Uh, but the wealth of the sinners is laid up for the just. Uh, they'll leave that behind. 
For thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, and he that establishes his covenant, uh, which he sweareth unto the fathers as it uh, is this day. Uh, Proverbs 28, 19. He that tilleth the land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. You know, are there quick, rich, get, uh, quick, quick, rich, get schemes? Quick, quick, get rich, quick schemes out there. By the way, if you were to go back and uh, read, why don't we just turn there to Proverbs um, uh, 28. And uh, look at uh, that just a little bit. I didn't get these verses up on the screen either. Uh, Proverbs 28, just a couple of the verses as we read through uh, that. And, and I, this was what I was reading this morning. Proverbs 28, 19 through 28. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Nothing like going and just working hard through life. To have respect of persons is not good. For a piece of bread, that man will transgress. He that hastes to be rich hath an evil eye. And considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with his tongue. Whoso robbeth his father of or his mother and saith it is not a transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. He that is of a good heart stirreth up, uh, excuse me, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. I like that verse, don't you? He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whosoever walketh wisely shall be delivered. He that giveth not, uh, he that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. But he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. You know what it means to hide your eyes? You know, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to see what's going on around me. I just I just want to be about what I'm doing rather than have a heart for people. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Praise the Lord for that. Great passage of scriptures which I read this morning in the Bible. Then let's go on to, to these other passages because time's fleeing away and uh, we want to finish. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Be diligent. But if any provide not for his own house, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the face and is worse than an infidel. There is nothing wrong with passing an inheritance on to your children. Amen to that? So we work hard. We, we become good stewards. So we have to have a balance in this on lasting or, or passing treasures and all. Yes, the things will pass in this world, but there are lasting treasures. When you look at the Scriptures and all, you'll find many examples of that. Uh, in, in these examples, and I thank the Lord for those in our church that have left lasting treasures with their families, with things that they've done to make sure that the cause of Christ continues and, and have been good stewards. 
Uh, and, and again, it's not about achieving salvation. It's about uh, the rewards in heaven, too, that we understand. He says, lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, not on this world. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Seek the Lord. Whatever he wants, be spirit-led and let God do and we become obedient to what God would have us to do. Let's see where we are in our, our, our scriptures here. Somehow they, they flew on with us. Matthew ten forty one through 42. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. You know what that's saying? What's that saying? You bring someone into your house. You be hospitable to a prophet. You might, uh, like Elijah who had uh, uh, the uh, home prepared for him uh, by the, uh, the lady there and, uh, and, and all. The Bible says you receive a prophet's reward. You mean to tell me that if we bring in and we take care of folks that are out there serving the Lord, that in, in being a part of their lives, their journey, we actually will receive a part of that reward? Right or wrong? Right. And he uh, and you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. He says in verse 42, and whosoever shall give a drink unto one of these little ones, a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily, I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Can you imagine giving a drink of water to someone? Now, listen. There, there's some truths here. I want to enter into the right team with people who are serving the Lord. That's why it's such a joy having volunteer Christian builders here. And by the way, I think that's some of the reasons why you travel the way you do. You're entering into the rewards of those churches in which you help. The souls that will be saved in the building that has been built is a part of your journey. By the way, we want to be good stewards of what others have done. Our camp ministry, you know, we, we go to camp and, you know, after 37 years of doing camp, it was, it was a little tiring this, this time at camp, but why do we do it? There might be one child that gets saved, and I believe there were several that did get saved, not as many as what we've seen in the past, but a child gets saved, goes on for God, or we encourage one of the counselors and they go on for God. You are a part of other people's journeys. Do you see how that is not a selfish motive, but that is a motive of going along and coming along other side of people? Those that came and worked in the kitchen. And by the way, for senior camp, we need some more kitchen help. And you can be in the kitchen and you say, man, washing these dishes and scrubbing these pans and fixing these foods. What's it all for? It's for the kingdom. We can't lose sight of that. When we have missionaries come in and, and we, we come alongside and we take them out for meals, and several of you have done that, or you've had them in your home, there's rewards that God will give you in eternity. Use that what we have and give to others. The Bible says those that have done these things, he even talks about a hundredfold of the rewards that you can be given. Oh, may God help us to remember. I don't know what's happening back with my clicker back there, but are we on the right page here? I think so. I don't know. Is something clicking in the back? Maybe it's going out back there. Is it clicking back here too? Yes. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Would you agree with that statement? Say amen. Knowing that the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of an inheritance, for you serve the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Oh, someday we're going to stand before Him. And there are the great resurrection passages of the Scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15. He concludes all that about being raised from the dead. Our, our religion is not in vain. We're not just going to eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren... Understand, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Sometimes you might not get the pat on the back or the accolades that some might get. But if you serve the Lord, it doesn't matter about all those things. It matters that you and I are doing what God wants us to do. And when we die and we spend eternity in heaven and God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. God wants us to be faithful to whatever He gives to us. Eternity is coming. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. I love that passage. We can enjoy our life. We can savor the food that God gives us. We can enjoy the cars that we dry and the homes that we uh, live in. But that they, we do good, that they be uh, rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. In other words, willing to give to others. Lay up for yourself, uh, them a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. In other words, that idea there is that you have the eternal principles. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I want to be a good custodian. I want to be a good steward. I want to be a good caretaker. I will render an account of my stewardship someday. Every day matters for the Lord. May we be obedient unto Him. Father, I pray that you will help us uh, as life is passing fast, eternity is coming. That, Lord, that you'll help us to, to understand the, this philosophy of life, not a selfish life, but everything in our lives, every moment that we have, and our time and our treasures and our talents, and how they belong to you. And, Father, I pray as, as we uh, think about uh, life passing, Wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? As we read in Haggai there, it says, consider our ways. Lord, help us to stop. And so right now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I would be amiss if I didn't preach messages like this to help encourage us to understand what life's all about. Life is about serving the Lord. Life is about understanding where He wants us to put our feet, what He wants us to do. I'm afraid that too many people are missing out because they got the wrong philosophy of life. And life is passing. And if God's speaking to your heart right now, I want to encourage you to make the right decisions. Number one, if you're not certain of where your eternal life is going to be, then, or your eternal destiny will be, then why don't you ponder, have you ever been born again? You can come to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, not by the offering plate or uh, what church you go to, but by the precious blood of Calvary that was shed for you and I. But secondly, I want to encourage you, if you have been born again, 
that you be a good steward of what God has given to you. And we're not talking about just finances. It can be a talent. You know, the bricks that were laid over there at the Irving property were laid there by someone who had talent in laying bricks. The framing was done by those that had talent in framing. There were prayer warriors on their knees praying. There were people who were telling others about Jesus Christ. There's folks that have been giving for, for a period of time uh, to this project. There have been people that have just taken a shovel and shoveled. There have been people that have just brought over goodies and vegetables. As I shared with the folks here that one summer we had 2,000 plates served of food. People that are involved with that. Why did we do it? Why did we take food from our own cupboards and give it to others? Because we have a heart to help and to be a part. And God says, I will see your heart and I will reward you accordingly. Again, the warning before this passage was, don't do things to be seen of men. Do things because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage all of you, understand everything here is going to be left behind. We're going to stand before him someday. I want him to say, well done. I want my bucket list to be filled with those things that God wants me to do. And I want to tell you something. It is so easy for me to be selfish, self-centered, to think of myself. But the more we look to others of how we can be a blessing and come alongside others, that, by the way, is a godly act. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Can we ever put a price tag on someone who comes along as an encourager? I got a letter this week from someone, and they gave some scriptures in that letter, and it was such an encouragement. It's so wonderful coming home from camp when you're tired, and someone wrote a letter of appreciation. Oh, may God help us, and wherever we are, whatever we've got, that we use those talents, treasures, and time for Him. So, Father, I pray that as we finish up this section about lasting treasures, Lord, I think of Brother Schubert who built this pulpit that I get to stand behind today. For Brother Coleman and Mrs. Coleman who said they wanted to help kids go to Bible college. For Donna Walser who uh, family left uh, scholarship money for kids to go to camp. For Alicia Schick, who in her desire for the music program and missions. For Judy Skinner, who in her poverty, even as a widow, gave enough money for us to buy a steeple. And Lord, for the Walkinshaws, who gave such that we could have a place for missionaries to stay. People to be housed. Things to go on. And for those that have donated lights and pews and pianos and all those treasures that will outlive most of us. We're grateful that we can be a part. But Lord, there's nothing like coming alongside someone else and giving a word of encouragement or telling someone about Jesus Christ so they can be saved and come to know Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I pray that our minds and our hearts would be open to all the venues that are out there that we can share our lives with our neighbors and our friends and our cohorts and our classmates. And Oh, Father, help us to be good stewards of our tongue. 
that our tongue would not be complaining, but it be used to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Oh, Father, help our minds to go into the riches of what you've given to us that we can share with others. And even in the verses that we read in our offering this morning, that we not be ashamed of proclaiming, even though there might be persecution in the dark world that we're living in, that we would tell folks what's right. Just as Haggai got up and proclaimed the direction that Israel was going was wrong. Oh, God, help us to be willing to share the good and the struggling and those things that could help people on the right paths. Even as it said flattery, that's not good, but to tell the truth. Father, help us to be truth bearers, to be good stewards of the eyes that you've given to us, the ears, the tongues, the hands, the feet. Lord, our treasures. Because you are the treasure of our life. Father, thank you for treasures that will outlast us here and in eternity. Oh, give us a heart for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. What's the invitation number, honey? 501, if you'll take your songbooks. We're going to sing just one verse of it. 501. As you stand together, we'll sing this together. And if God has spoken to your heart, I encourage you to make some decisions before you leave today, either during this invitation time or before you leave. Give of your best. Give of your best to the Master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's flesh going that and saying that this morning, I'm glad for the strength of youth. Amen to that. And I think most of us can understand what Ecclesiastes chapter 12 talks about when the hearing gets dim and the crickets and the eggs and the pain start coming, but we can still give them our best, whether Arthur has set in or whatever. Amen to that. Sometimes we have to change what we do, but let's be and finish well the life that God has given. That is my desire. Finish well the life that God has given to me.